Hello there, I'm Austin Bristow, and you're listening to On The List. For episode 23 on Friday, April 23rd, I'm joined by Pitchless writer Steve Giswelli. Steve, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Austin. Looking forward to it. I am glad to have you. Now, for those of you who haven't listened before, each week I am joined by a writer from the Pitchless staff. We like to talk baseball, discuss what they've been working on recently, and we also do a mailbag session where we answer your questions. Now, you can send those questions over to us at on Twitter, I should say, at Bristowski, or to the show Twitter, which is now at OnTheListPL. Even easier way to get, get to me is our PL Plus Discord server. You can check that out at Petulus.com slash plus. Now, Steve, where can the people find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I'm at Stav8818, S-T-A-V-8818. There it is. Give the guy a follow, people. Now, Steve, I'm going to be honest, I barely know you, which is actually fairly unusual for this show. Usually, I will, I've will i brought on people who I've had a little bit of a relationship with in the past, uh, that it, because I've been here now for, oh gosh, going on three, four years, and so I've, you're one of our newer hires, yep. and you and I have had almost no interaction up to this point. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Is, is that good for content? I think so, right? Uh, it seems like this is a, a good way to get to get to know you, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I feel like it'll make for a good show. So hopefully, uh, I'm not too boring or anything like that. I'm sure you'll be just fine, and I am looking forward to getting to know you. I know it's. Uh, I've seen some of your work, and I know it's quite interesting. And I'm looking forward to you know getting to know the man behind the byline. Love it. So let's get right on into it. Just give you a little open-ended question here. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in central New Jersey. It, it actually does exist. Uh, it's <laughs> not just north and south Jersey. Uh, that's a big, uh, at least New Jersey internet uh, meme and debate. Um, I, I currently live in, in Hoboken, which is just outside uh, New York City. Um uh, my real life job is is in the city, so it's uh, pretty convenient for that. But, you know, uh, why I'm here and why I like uh, what we're doing and, and talking about, I'm mean, obviously a huge baseball fan, been playing fantasy baseball for, you know, probably close to 20 years, like relatively competitively sure. now. So uh, for more than half of my life. And, you know, I'm just a big sports fan in general. Uh, I am a diehard New Jersey Devils fan who also they, they do exist, even though we're not the uh, <laughs> biggest fan base. You know, we get overshadowed by uh, a team in New York that I'm not going to mention. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. You know, that's uh, what I basically do. My, my free time is pretty much all involved in baseball. So um, looked forward to, uh, you know getting deeper talking baseball and and you know getting to know you too that's good stuff i will be totally honest here i just googled new jersey devils because i was not wow aware of yeah they're they're a hockey team yeah i i don't watch hockey okay um, that's like that, but there's even some like there's <laughs> there's such a small market team that there's probably even some hockey fans that forget that they exist unfortunately and they're pretty bad right now so uh they're not very relevant, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Growing but. up, growing up in Illinois, I would watch the uh, Blackhawks when yeah. my friends wanted to watch them, 
now that I'm living in North Carolina, I put on the hurricanes, uh, like, or I guess the hurricanes are on whenever I go to like a bar or something, you know, when people used to do that. And so my, my relationship with hockey is basically it's there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I am also there occasionally when it is there. I think that's, uh, like probably most people in, in, in like the United States relationship with hockey, like it's there sometimes like, but it, it is a great sport. I, I, other than baseball, uh, I, I truly love it. That's what I played growing up. It's my, that's my first love in sports. And like, you know, if I were to ever pick a team, like to win a, a championship, it would, it would be the devils. That's uh that's my true passion. I'm a really, really big devils fan and, and love hockey. So it's really entertaining too. It's, it's basically like the opposite of baseball because there's just, no downtime whatsoever right. it's super stop action and it doesn't translate to tv as well because of that i think um it's gotten better with like hd and everything like that and just you know technology and being able to like keep up with it and i think it's grown in popularity um oh generally you know not that i have like numbers on this or anything like that sure, but sure um yeah it's 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 a nice change of pace to like baseball where there could be no action for literally five minutes straight and then hockey where it's just nonstop and in person, if you are and the Canes, I mean, they're, you know, one of the hottest teams to, to be around now. If you ever, you know, again, when we do do that again, sporting events in person, uh, if you ever do get a chance, I would highly recommend it. They're a, a great team to watch right now. Probably one of the most exciting in, in the NHL. I have been to like, minor league hockey games sort of thing like a, like a mm-hmm. super small mm-hmm. market teams the uh bloomington normal buffalo games so super small market teams and i had a good time it's yeah it's, they're, it's they're great they're great i mean at, at pretty much any hockey because it's just like like i said like the non-stop action it's yeah, just for sure in person, it, there's there's nothing really like it. I, I I die on the hill that I think it's the best in person sport to watch. So, um, yeah, like, like it's 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 just great. I mean, uh, I I highly recommend it. And you know, a, a playoff game too. There's, it's simultaneously like the most painful and exciting thing to witness if you're a hockey fan and your team's in the playoff in the play in a you know an overtime playoff game. It's I, 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 there's no experience like it. I can't even put it to words. It would be bad for a podcast other than to just experience it because you want to die and also want to, you know, jump and joy and celebrate like every 30 seconds. It's, it's crazy. It's, That's uh, awesome. there's, there's nothing like it in sports. That's so cool. I do want to go on a second tangent here. Um, as someone who has never been to, to, uh, New York City, nor really, experienced like the big big city life i've been through chicago i've been in chicago a number of times but never lived anywhere near there uh could you just kind of describe to me how your commute goes just because i find that just fascinating yeah very different life so i'm like basically like it's it's a train stop outside of the city like you could be in new jersey where i am in hoboken and you know in midtown manhattan in like 13 minutes by train um but like there's still like a commuting aspect that it makes me wonder like how people outside of the city that you know are are you know more more than a mile away from the city ever would want to work there because my commute's still like 
40 minutes door to door, which doesn't seem like much, but you know, you got to walk 10 minutes to this train then wait for the train. That's 15 minutes. Then wherever you're going in Manhattan, that's still probably pretty much 10 minutes away. So like if I ever lived like an hour or so just to get into the city and then had to do, you know, do the commute on top of that, I don't know why anyone would do it. Obviously a lot of people do it because the tri-state area is just massive, but uh, I'm very fortunate to be as close as I am. And there's still like a, a, a city feel where I am, you know, it's all apartment buildings, brownstone. It's like, you know, it's only a mile square city and there's like 50,000 people that live here. So it's, it, there's a city feel to it, which, which is nice. And, you know, as someone who doesn't have like a family or anything like that, uh, you know, living in an apartment with uh, my fiance and a dog who's sleeping on the couch behind me pretty comfortably. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, you know, you could walk anywhere you want. There's bars when, when we did go to those things and grocery stores all within a, a walking distance. So, uh, it, it's nice from that, that aspect, but, it's pretty busy. Like there's moments where it's like, I wish I had like a yard to go out in. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's a good feel and it's a good vibe. I mean, it's, it's, it's very different and working from home for the last year now it's, it's been like, okay, maybe a little more space would be nice, but you know, sure. when, when, when living in the city, there's, there's nothing that could beat that convenience of being that cl- when, when working in the city, there's nothing that could beat that convenience. So, um, it, it's very hustle and bustly though, which has its ups and downs. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been to New Jersey a single time in my life. Uh, last, uh, fall I was doing some work in Philadelphia and, um, we got a day off and I decided to go across the Ben Franklin bridge into Jersey uh, specifically so I could find a geocache in Jersey to say that I did. And then I went back across the bridge. <laughs> that was that was my entire experience yeah, I mean, in Jersey. I'm sure that's a little experience for a lot of people, either just, you know, passing through on the, the, the turnpike and, and going over a bridge. But uh, it, it's really different because, like, you have Philadelphia and South Jersey and then New York City and, you know, the North Jersey area. And it's, it's basically two totally different feels and like the city kind of pours over into each one of those sections. So like you get a lot of the Manhattan vibe in Northern Jersey. And then, you know, um, that South Philly, you know, the South Jersey, Philly, Philly vibe. And like this, this for like to bring it back to baseball, like pretty much everyone, South Jersey's Phillies fans. And then in North Jersey, they're either Mets or Yankees fans. So like it's divided by like that, but, there's definitely more to it than just like a bridge to Philly and tunnels to New York. So, um, and, and like the disgusting views and smells from the turnpike, like <laughs> it's pretty nice on the shore. Like I'm fortunate to, enough to be able to go down there a bunch. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll, uh, go to bat that New Jersey gets a bad rap. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty nice too. So that's fair. I believe it. <laughs> All righty. Now, you said you are from Central Jersey. Yeah. Now, if you're if you're a New York fan up in the North Side and a Philly fan down on the South Side of Jersey, where do you fall? What who's your favorite team? So, growing up, uh, like I was a diehard Yankee fan. Like I, you know, Derek Jeter was the, the posters on my wall. Like I, I, I love the Yankees. Like it was just, and obviously, you know, I grew up in the middle of the their dynasty in the late 90s like i was you know 10 when they won their uh you know the third world series or whatever in four years um and 
it was just everything was Yankees. And as I became more and more involved in fantasy sports, like I have, I could fully say that I am no longer a, a, a Yankee fan. Like my team, my home league team is my team. And like, I remember the exact moment too. Like I had David Ortiz on a team in like 2014 and he was up with the bases loaded versus the Yankees. And I'm like, I want him. Like there's no bit of me that is rooting for the Yankees at this point. Like I want David Ortiz to hit a grand slam. And since then it's, I, I really like, I watch the Yankees and Mets obviously because they're on a bunch here. But like you know, I was when when the Mets made that run in 2015. Like I was on board and you know cheering for my buddies who were Mets fans. Which if I ever look back as a Yankee fan growing up, I'm like, what? Like I, I you know, ten year old me would have you know rolled over and and you know <laughs> tried to you know I, I don't beat me up for like cheering for my Mets fans friends. I what am I doing? But I've lost that you know, becoming so involved in fantasy baseball, I've lost that passion for a team, which I never would have thought. But, uh, you know, you hear people say it like in media all the time that they're not truly fans, but I could see how it happens now. Cause it, it did happen to me. So like, you know, I, 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 it's not like I hate the Yankees or anything like that. Like I would still be happy if they did well, but I'm just not like a passionate fan. Like I once was or anything like that. It, it all comes down to my fantasy team, to be honest. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I know that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Braves fan first, but a lot of times I will, you know, who the guys on my team this season, I'll watch a lot of their games. So yeah. I'll watch a lot of my pitchers pitch. I know I have Rafael Devers on like three of my four teams this yeah. year. And so I've been watching a fair amount of Red Sox. And they're a fun team to watch so and, far this and year. And it's so easy to watch, you know, whether even if it's just they're just on MLB Network or like with so many national games now yeah. like or with the, the packages, if you, if you get that. It's so easy to watch any game that you want. Like, why would I not watch like every Padre game that I could? Like, I watch so many different teams that I, I, w- I couldn't imagine just watching one or, and, and being a fan of, of just one. So like, you know, exactly. Whoever had the most exposure to, like, that's what I'm interested in. And that's what I want to succeed that. So that's where my fandom lies. It's uh, it's an interesting twist. I would have never thought this as a kid, but that's where I am uh, baseball fan wise. That's wild. Now, did you have a favorite player growing up like a, yeah. a Yankee or otherwise? Jason Giambi was, was my guy. I remember okay. the day that the Yankees signed him. Like uh, I loved him on the A's. Like I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember showdown cards. Like they were like that card game for baseball that, uh, you roll the dice and like, you know, um, it was like a 20 sided die and like, you know, 16 to 20 was a homer. Giambi just had a great card and like I loved it as a kid and like just loved him when he won the MVP. Like he was, you know, I thought he was like the greatest hitter ever. And, you know, not that he that he was wasn't uh, a great player. But when the Yankees got him, I was so excited. Like I remember the cover of the New York Post. It, it was great. Um, so like he was my, by far my favorite player growing up. But you know, um, and as a Yankee fan at that age, that that's all you really could ask for. It, it, it was awesome. And, you know, the Yankees are spoiled with that, especially back in the day. They basically signed pretty much any big free agent that came across. So um, that was where my heart lied. But like currently, like it, it, it ties back to my fantasy team. Like I had J.D. Martinez, like I was always a believer in him and have had him on a good amount of teams. So I have a soft spot for him same with Acuna and and Bieber like these are great guys that I feel like I can appreciate more now that I 
don't really have specifically one team. So, like, those are the guys that, you know, have a special place in my heart just because they've performed well for me on fantasy teams in the past. Sure, and they're a lot of fun to watch on top of it. Yeah. I had forgotten how good uh, Giambi's peak was. Oh, yeah. It was it was great. From 99 to 2002, uh, he hit no lower than 314 <laughs> and hit no fewer than 33 home runs. And in 2001, his final year with the... Actually, no, let's look at 2000, two, the year 2000. He hit 43 home runs with a 333 average. Yeah, crazy. What was and his a 476 yeah, on 476 base. 476 on base. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. He had some monster seasons. Like it was it was special. He was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I I became a baseball fan like properly right around like 2009. And so most of the Jason Giambi I know was like the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, Giambi. he was basically like a player manager. Like he was lovable then too. Like uh, you know, Giambi's a he's a great baseball, just a baseball person. Like he, yeah, he's he's, he's awesome. I'm surprised he's not a a hitting coach or something somewhere. Maybe he is in the minors or something like that. But yeah, I wonder what he's up to nowadays. Yeah, see if I can look that up as we keep going along here. So. It's for you. It's all about your fantasy teams. So let's talk about that. How many do you play in? What's your favorite type? And etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you have a favorite league that you play in? So, I, I'm. I you know I feel like everyone always says like I want to play in less leagues. I'm always in in less leagues. And like every year, I'm always in more leagues than I am the year. Before. <laughs> like I never trim it down. But um, I'm in nine total this year. But four of them are best ball. So like for quantity wise, I love best ball because like. It's set it and forget it. Like you have two waiver yeah. periods in FBC for cut lines. Like it's great. Like I never have to worry about setting my teams. As far as like if I were to add more leagues, I would add more there. Like it's just in my opinion, like a great concept for a league. It's so easy. You don't have to make trades or do anything other than draft and then like however many waiver periods you have throughout the year. You know, normally it's one or two. Um, my baby is my home league. That's, uh, you know, a league that I've been in for probably close to 10 years now. I think it's the 10th year. Like it's just, you know, a, a league that's gone on for, for more than that for probably 20 years. And like, it's just awesome. some of my best friends in life I've met through this league. Like, you know, two of the guys are, are in my wedding that's coming up in the summer. Like that, that's how I became in love with fantasy baseball through, through, uh, the league of champions, we call it my home league, but, uh, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. That's, you know, if, if I only had a pit, if I had to cut out every single league and only do one, which my fiance probably would have, would be happy with if I told her that I was only doing one <laughs> league, but, um, it w it would be that. Um, and then I'm fortunate enough actually to be in TGFBI this year and then like a few uh, pitcher list staff leagues. Like I did a community league, a staff league, and then uh, we're doing a, a podcast league. So um, it, it, it's been good. It's uh, uh, fortunate to have, you know, a co-manager in, in some of those leagues in, in the podcast league. But uh, and, and, you know, they're the fewer weekly, but it's a lot to keep up with. I don't know how some of these guys have like you know multiple daily leagues i would not be able to do it it's just even as someone that's as passionate about fantasy baseball as me it's it's a lot of work and like a, a lot of things to to commit to and, and remember to set so uh, i'm glad i'm really in only one true daily league which is nice 
Yeah, I definitely get that. I, uh, I, I could not commit to the podcast league this year. I, I, tr- I did five leagues last year, and I think I, that is the tipping point for me. So I'm in doing four this year. Only two of them are daily leagues. The other two are weekly. And I even for one of the daily leagues, I have a co-owner in Mikey Ahedo. So yeah. it's it's enough for me to you know take my two uh, ESPN weekly leagues. And set my lineups on like Saturday, Sunday night. And then both my daily leagues are on Yahoo, so I can take care of those in the mornings. It's it's it works out pretty well. But those those uh best ball ones are great because they're you get to you get to the fun of drafting. Yeah. Which is honestly the best part of baseball, I think. Definitely. And you agree. get to, and then you can just kind of ignore it for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. And it, it like yeah. Essentially, like, you're doing five leagues this year. Essentially, yeah, that's you. That's, you, you drafted for like, nine, and you're essentially doing five. Exactly, and like uh, I totally agree. I think the best part is the draft. Like I, I love that about our home league. That you know the redraft style is is my favorite. Like I love having a blank slate and and building a team each year. And that's the beauty of best ball. You're exactly right. Like you get that awesome building of team you know you could do basically however many you want like you know i know there's like a few like ten dollar best ball leagues on on fan tracks and stuff like that that like you you get all the beauty of it and you don't have to do any of the in-season work which is what is the hard part to keep up in and having you know I, i'm normally used to doing a few best ball and then just my home league so having all these other ones it's like a it's like a shock for me this year to be able to, to go back and be like, oh, man, did I did I set my lineup in this league or was it the other one? Like, who did I pick up this league? And like it, it's 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 a lot to keep track of. So it's nice to not have to do that in those best ball formats. You Yeah, you uh, you, you may have overstepped a bit this year, but, you know, for sure. I, I believe in you. You can, yeah. you can make it work. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I, I don't know. Uh, what Jason Giambi is doing nowadays. Apparently, he became a meme for a while. Um, Interesting. Like, a, a bunch of uh, different sports leagues that are not baseball talked about hiring them as his coach, as a meme. Huh. Yeah, well, there was... A, and to get back to the Jersey thing, there's, there's, there is a meme, and this is probably what it's about... Um, Mike Francesa had a, a sports talk show, like probably the most famous one in New York for, you know, 25 years. And the, he, the a big reason why it was so popular is just because the callers would basically call in and just prank them and they're the best part of the show. And, you know, they would get Mike to, to have like a, a serious uh, debate and like, you know, talk about the Yankees and then end it with like, what do you think about hiring Jason Giambi, uh, you know, uh, for manager? And it became like a joke. Yeah, that's um, that's where which honestly, I'm wondering entirely. if that maybe killed any of his chances of ever becoming a manager because he was that meme. Um, like, you know, the, there would be like an issue with the Knicks and it'd be like, Mike, I have a great idea. I'm going to pitch you like on this next great coach for the Knicks. What do you think about Jason Giambi? And like he would get so mad and every time not just brush it off. And it's just it's just classic. And because he would get so mad, it would lead to more. And it's it's yeah, it, it's just a great, uh, you know, he doesn't do the show anymore, unfortunately. But it, it, it was just uh, a basically a part of my childhood listening to that show and, you know 
the time when you're when you're listening in a, you know, in a car ride or whatever and get to catch one of those classic uh, prank calls it's 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 the best it's just part of uh, new york sports history and uh uh you know uh lore and, and for for anyone that's a sports fan in the tri-state area that's fantastic i love that so much yeah there's there's great twi- there's great twitter accounts um uh, that that follow them uh, i think it's back after this on twitter um that have even if you don't listen to him like or never heard of him like it's just classic classic bits it's just so good he would get so fired up uh you can get lost on that twitter page for hours just listening to the videos of uh mike francesa you know reacting to these hilarious callers coming in and uh busting his chops what was that one more time like just it's just ba- for it's, for science it's, it's back after this i think it's uh let me let me just check it on twitter real quick just for just for science sake yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's uh, Funhouse on Twitter. He's at B A C K A F T A T H I S T H I S. Back after this, it's just he still does it. Like he, he posts all the classic videos. It's it's a must follow for anyone who you know, like sports talk radio. It's 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 probably one of my favorite Twitter follows. You know, other than all the guys at Picture List, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i'm certainly going to be checking yeah, that out you, you can get in a rabbit hole for sure now i'm gonna go a little out of order here what kind of stuff do you like to do you know outside of the baseball realm what uh, kind of hobbies do you have or other stuff along those lines that you enjoy so uh, in the pandemic i've gotten back into gaming um not not nice. hardcore. i i play a lot of the show obviously just because i'm a baseball fan but um never you know i had like a playstation that kind of just sat there for 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 years and like i would play it occasionally and i you know i grew up and grew up playing video games and loved it but really have gotten back into it um you know i i love you know just tv and stuff in general seinfeld's probably my favorite show i always throw on episodes if i'm not watching baseball before before bed um I did all the Marvel movies like in order recently. Um, I never, I, I probably saw probably maybe only a third of them, and like I was astonished how good some of them actually were, just like outside of like superhero movies, which was oh, which man. was great. I know that could. I'm, uh, a, I'm a huge MCU fan. Yeah, like my, it, it was good. Since my wife and I have been together for the past like seven years or so, we've seen every single one that's come out in theaters. Oh, I love it. It's, ugh, it's a. We we after uh, we finish this call, uh, I'm gonna be uh, sitting down with her so we can watch the season finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I'm not caught. I'm not caught up, but I definitely will. Uh, will be tuning into that. So, what uh, what has been a, your favorite or a couple of your favorites that you've seen so far in the MCU? So my my favorite, and I, I I didn't think this was gonna be the case. Just I don't know why I just thought it was like one of the lesser ones but uh civil war w- was great i thought that was oh, yeah. awesome and my number one guy i'm a big spider-man fan that's my favorite superhero so uh yeah anything spidey I- i'm in so all-, all of those uh i'm pumped for the new one coming out so uh oh, yeah. all of those are, are, have been my favorite so far that's fantastic 
And uh, what kind of, what kind of games are you into playing? Anything you've done recently that you've particularly enjoyed? Um, I actually just got my hands on a PS5, which was nice. I had to drive like an Congrats. hour and a half away. Yeah, which was great. So I did Spider Man, obviously. Uh, of you course. Know, to stick with the the MCU, I've been playing a little Call of Duty, and then the show just came out this week. So been doing that uh, a bit. Um, probably more than uh, I would care to admit, but uh, <laughs> it, it's been fun. Very nice. I've been. Uh... I've been working slowly through my list of like my backlog of stuff that I've been wanting to play. I'm working on uh, Persona Five right now. Okay. Uh, it's 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 a very interesting style of game. It's think of like the gameplay style of like turn-based combat of Pokemon. Okay. But it comes with an actually good story in between, but it's all japanese anime interesting it is it is a very strange sell but that's what it is and i'm really enjoying it so far yeah no i i I really thought that like that part of me was was dying and and going away but i'm really glad i got back into games like it's just uh you know it's it's a it's a great form of entertainment and feeling nostalgic growing up you know i i remember like the day i got an n64 as a kid i was basically like had the same reaction of that, you know, that meme video of the kid screaming uh, that he can now go to Blockbuster uh, to rent games <laughs> that he got an N64. So uh, it, it's great. I, 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 and I need to do like a better job of like expanding my horizons on like game types. Like, cause, you know, I love like Pokemon growing up. Like, I remember like, you know, carrying my Game Boy around everywhere and, you know, looking for sealing the batteries out of the remote from the uh you know when mine died you know and then my dad getting pissed when the remote (laughs) was wasn't working and had dead batteries but um it's been great getting back into it it's you know one of the a very minor bright side that's come of this uh last year at least for for my hobby's sake sure yeah i mean if you if you enjoy that kind of turn-based uh style pick up persona 5 royal it's it's a weird start to the game (laughs) but i i'm thoroughly enjoying it nice now you you've not been with us for too long you were one of the hires in this just this past november yeah november technically i think so yeah on the latest uh, basically the this off season of hiring uh that's when i came aboard and what have you been working on in that time so uh, two things that, that I've been working on is um, the, the first one is, is it's called math. It's uh, uh, mechanical adjustment trackers for uh, for hitters. Uh, shout out to Nick for thinking of that acronym as we were brainstorming through it. Um, it's very. It, yeah, it's a, it's, it, it's, a very it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like what I'm like. I was almost like I wanted like I'm one of the type when he, he wrote that I'm like how did you think of that like what like I, I don't know where it came his from. brain works differently <laughs> yeah I don't know yeah but it's a nice little acronym and basically um, I, I work on it with Scott Chu and Ben Palmer um, basically what led to the idea it was uh, Alex fast who like sent out a chat to um, the pitcherless staff channel um, and, and it was when, like, Mike Curlin was doing, like, that, that lineup tracker in spring training that if, sure. if you, anyone who's on Fantasy Baseball Twitter knows about that. It's like he was like, there's a tracker for velocity, which uh, Jeff Zimmerman at Fangraphs does, um, and new pitches, which Jason Collette does. And then this lineup tracker, 
which Mike Curlin does, and there's nothing really for hitters. And like, you know, I, I, when when I when I saw that, it's like that's like what I look for all the time. Like I'm always looking like whatever a guy like changes his stance or, or does something new with this swing, adds a leg kick, removes a leg kick. I'm always like, all right, let's keep this in the back of my mind because that's a lot of times where where hitter breakouts happen. So we basically have just been tracking this and it happened a lot more than spring in spring training because there's a lot of stories about guys working on on swings and stuff like that. But there will still be a few, you know, especially now we get a few weeks into the season that happen in season. But we basically just compile, OK, here's this player on, on what date and here's the change that they're making with like a link to, to the article. And it's just uh, it'll, it'll be a good way to keep track of all those guys that potentially could see a change in performance if something clicks with uh, a change in their approach or, or, or swing or something like that. Um, you know, we have some, it's mostly like swing changes and things like that, but we have some, you know, best shape of his life things in there and of like course. mentality side of it too. Like I remember like there was like a, a story about like Ronald Guzman, like, st- like he was like, yeah, I actually care about baseball this year, which, which is a big deal. Like that's a change. Like that's something that, is going to affect performance. Um, so it's just a nice consolidated list. Uh, I always use those tools, whether it's a new pitch tracker or velocity tracker or anything like that. So I think it's a, a great tool and glad that we're, we're working on it. And, you know, shout out to, to Ben and Scott for uh, helping me out and con- consolidating all that data and, and getting the word out there. Yeah, that's great stuff. I'll make sure to include the uh, link to your article to where you introduced it. Yep. But looking over, there's a couple here that I think you, you can already kind of see the results. The one that jumps out to me immediately is Matt Olson. One of the most recent mm-hmm. ones, um, yep. reportedly he, his bat was flat or horizontal in 2020 and he's been returning to his, uh, more kind of uppercut swing. Now, as we all know, in 2020, Matt Olson was terrible uh, with a 195 batting average and a 31% K rate. That's not what you want. So far, in 66 plate appearances, he's already hit six home runs and he's batting 316. Yeah. And he's only striking out about 17% of the time. So. He looks like 2019 Matt Olson, which is I think he kind of wanted to get back to. And it looks, you know, so far so good. Obviously, small sample caveat. But yeah, um, as a guy who owns Matt Olson on his dynasty team, I am a happy man. Yep, for sure. And then there's like there's like other guys, too, that like caught my eye that might not be um, seeing the results just yet. But Victor Robles, uh, he there was a lot of stories about him like. He was trying to be like like Juan Soto and like hit home runs in 2020, and then now he's changed his approach, which he hasn't. Um, you know, the, the 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 surface numbers haven't been great just yet, and I think he only has like one steal. But he's walking at uh, you know I think a career high clip at like 14 percent, which is really good for someone like him. And I think that that keeps up. They'll probably start to put him at the top of the lineup. And, you know, that's great for a guy to get on base. Um, and, and it seemed like he wanted to make that adjustment and get one that went to a shorter swing, things like that, and ditch what he was doing in 2020. Um, 
So for a speed guy getting on base more, I think the results could come. So it's a, it's a good cool tool to keep in mind. Like, okay, maybe I shouldn't give up on this guy so quickly and, and wait for these changes to come in, um, come into play. So it, it 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 could be it could be very helpful. I think. Absolutely, I think this is a really neat tool, and I'm excited that you guys have put this together and. I, I hope to see it continue, you know, updating throughout the season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, like I said, it, it's a little bit less information, but there'll definitely be more coming out. And, you know, we'll start uh, scouring the news again and put some swing changes in there as, as guys struggle and adjust and adjust back. So another one that just caught my eye, less so because of their actual performance, but just because I think it's strange it's still weird to me that Eugenio Suarez is an everyday shortstop nowadays. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, and, like, you know what is even more strange about it? Like, Nick Senzel came up as a shortstop. Like, I don't understand why they're so against playing a, a guy who came up through the minors and played shortstop um, as a shortstop. And, like, Senzel's also had, like, you know, that, that vertigo and concussion issues, which I would think – that would be less of an issue at short, just like not diving for balls on the outfield grass or like running into walls or anything like that. So it really is strange to me, but I guess other than those first few games, Suarez has been at least okay. And the Reds offense has been great kind of covering up some, some things. So who knows how long that might last though. Yeah. He has, he's played all 17 games. He started at shortstop. He has not touched third base as a crazy he's not played as a third baseman crazy so far this year which is very strange again i own him in my dynasty league and i appreciate the little yeah, flexibility the eligibility that's nice that's very unexpected but yeah. appreciated but yeah. it's just very odd another one too cedric mullins he gave up switch hitting um and has been pretty good so far this year uh just hitting from 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 the left side of the plate which has been intriguing I know he's kind of cooled down recently, but he's still hitting like above 350, I think. So uh, he's been an interesting case, too, that uh, w- w- was on this list from uh, early March. That is a good one. Yeah, I've I've wanted to look recently, um, and I've considered, if I, if I wasn't so like uh, bogged down with school and work right now, I'd be interested in seeing if I can make a case whether or not Ozzy Albies should stop switch hitting. Yeah, that's always been like a, a thing. I definitely think he should. He's just so putrid from it's from the right side, right? Yeah, just as a lefty, he would uh, I, I I don't I don't get why why he does it. Um but um it, it's it's intriguing to me. Um, yeah, so for for those of you who are not aware, uh as a left-handed batter uh, Albies has a 252 batting average, and uh, can I get his K rate here? I'd have to go into splits, but I will do so because it's worth it. Darn it! Because I am, I, I am, I am wanting to make this stand. I think because I just don't. I don't think he's very good from the right side. No, it, it is not. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for my page to load up too. Uh, this could be we could fit right in onto uh, back after this Twitter with with the dead air. But 
Um, I think he's even taken a bat lefty lefty too once. Um, he did once. Yeah, and he, and he didn't. I get think it. He, I think he struck out, but like. Okay, uh, so as a left-handed hitter, he has a two fifty two average, a seventeen point seven percent K rate, and a seven point three percent walk rate, um, with an a WRC plus of 93 if we switch that and look at him only as a right-handed batter you see a 341 batting average a 13.9 percent k rate so that drops by about three ticks he does walk less from that side only a five percent walk rate but a 147 wrc plus now i don't know how it would affect him if he is only batting as a right-handed hitter and facing right-handed bat, right-handed pitchers from the right side. Yeah, um, it's hard to say if he would perform better from the right side against righties than he does from the left side against righties. But he certainly excels a lot more from the right-handed side. Yeah, and, and you had to think they they would have talk to him about this or this idea has been thrown around and like you know who knows maybe it would hurt because like uh, uh, it's hard to like you you hear about switch hitters sometimes getting in funk with one side of the plate like who knows if that kind of helps him in some strange way like on the mental side of it like being able to, to hit from you know the right side and left side and batting practice or whatever it is that he might like as part of his routine, but uh, yeah, it's that de- there's definitely a compelling argument for him to just give it up. Yeah. And I mean, I know Chipper Jones is working with uh, some of the major league hitters now as a consultant. And so it as one of the mm. best switch hitters of all time. I'm sure that Chipper is talked with Ozzy uh, for sure. Plenty. So it would not surprise me to see him give it up. I mean, the thing is, he's only 24. Yeah. People like he feels like he's been around forever because he came up when he was super young. I believe he was 20 years old when he, yeah, he was 20 years old when he debuted as a regular player back in 2017. Um, so I, I, I'm not necessarily saying he should give it up right now, uh, but boy, oh boy, there is a case to be made, I think. For sure. I mean, just, just you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at the numbers now. I mean, he does have uh, a, a few, uh, like, he has 40 home runs as a, as a as a lefty, but it's it's just so much, so much better as a righty. Uh, you know, it's 50 point, or no. 54 point difference in in wrc plus i mean yeah he's basically you know like uh you know like freddie freeman from the right side and then like uh i don't know um adam duvall yeah adam duvall from the left side so uh yeah it's uh it's definitely a compelling argument I, i wouldn't be surprised if that if that happened same it's just it's kind of intriguing, and Lord knows, I mean, the Braves have enough lefty bats right now, so sure. having him just on the right side wouldn't hurt the lineup all that much. But 
that was a weird tangent. I don't exactly <laughs> remember how we got there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe he'll show up when he does give up switch hitting. And, you know, we, we could link this episode like as like a, a premonition that we talked it into existence or something. Like that. <laughs> a nice precursor there. Yeah. Now, the other big thing you've been working on for us, your other big project, is you are working on one of the newest uh, Pictureless Podcast Network shows. Yep, yep. Tell uh, me about it. Wins Above Fantasy with uh, my co-host Van Burnett. Uh, shout out to Van. Uh, I, I didn't know Van at all before doing a, doing a show with him, and it, it feels like I know him uh, my entire life. He just seems like one of those guys that like has been – in, in my friend group, uh, you know, for, for as long as any one of my closest friends. So it's, it's been great, awesome. you know, not only, you know, all show, all show stuff aside, like it's just been great getting to know him and he's a great guy and it's a lot of fun to do a show each week with us. So, um, our, our show is called wins above fantasy on Twitter. We're at wins above pod. Um, and we come out every Wednesday, uh, a new show is released and we're basically just a general fantasy show. So like, um, it's it's i think we've only had like three or four shows since the seasons actually start but um you know we did a lot of draft prep things like that um talked about some 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 hot hitters and, and sample sizes like when to start to believe them um we did a segment that i thought was really cool like flashes or fixtures this week where we talked about you know guys that are off the hot starts whether they're going to be part of your lineup for the full year or, or if it's just a a, a hot start that well, you know, you'll be able to move on from quickly. Uh, one of the guys that we talked about was um, Joey Votto, um, just because it looks like he's sort of completely changed uh, his his approach and is is really mashing the ball. He's been one of the most impressive stat cast pages from early on this year, and we had a nice discussion about him. I think we were both in agreement that it's pretty legit. Like I, I'm kind of I never thought I would say this because I've like been fading Joey Votto for pretty much uh, the last four or five years. And I missed out on that, like one random 40 home run season he had a few years ago, but of course, that's how it goes. Yep. Yep. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm uh, he was available on, on a waiver wire in a lot of my leagues. I kind of wish I, I made a move on him uh, a little bit earlier. Um, just looking at those underlying numbers, it's been super impressive from from Vado. So we talk about stuff like that, and it's it's a lot of fun. You know, we go back and forth. It's a good dynamic, and like I said, I, I just feel like I've I've known Van forever, even though it's only been uh, a few months now. That's awesome. Now, I did pull up your Twitter here, and I believe yesterday, one of the two of you, whoever is in control of Twitter, uh, sent. Uh, sent a retweet from Eno Saris, the legend in yep. the community, about Michael Kopeck. Oh, yeah. We talked about him on uh, on this show, too. Sell me on Kopeck because I just want you to basically whisper sweet nothings in my ear about him because I am I was very big on him in draft season and picked him up a couple places, and I am very excited about him. I really just think it's only a matter of time that he has a rotation spot. Um, there's nothing uh, like like the numbers. Uh, I, there's nothing I can do that 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 wouldn't just pop off the page just from looking at it. I mean, he's got a unbelievable K rate right now. It is uh, pulling it up. Um, 
beat you to it. 42.5%. and a half and a 10% walk rate. So 32.5 K minus BB, which what Eno was saying in that tweet that we retweeted is that like it's a great not only early season indicator, but pretty much any small sample indicator just because it filters out all batted ball noise. So like if you just want a snapshot of how this guy is actually pitching over the last X amount of starts, just look at K minus BB. Uh, and uh, Kopech is elite. Um, I think he's, you know, uh, seven or eight on the list of, of all qualified pitchers, which is super impressive. I mean, the stuff, it, it speaks for itself. Uh, he's got a 32.3% CSW rate, which calls strike plus whiffs. I obviously don't need to say that on a pitcher list podcast, but <laughs> that also is elite. So um, th- there's nothing there that's not telling me that he is going to be in the rotation sooner rather than later. He has all the stuff. It looks like he, he finally put it together and, you know, the, their pitching coach was, was, uh, the guy who helped Giolito break out. So it, it's, it's a good organization from a pitching perspective to, to be a part of now. Um, and I know Lancelin is hurt and they said he's going to make his next start, um, as soon as he's eligible off the D off the IL, but I think it was a, a shoulder or, or a, um, uh, a, a, like an oblique injury for him. Um, so I, I'm kind of hesitant on that um, as far as him coming back right away. Um, there's no one really pitching that poorly in their rotation right now. Cease has been good. Rodon obviously just had the no-hitter, but they're going to need him um, sooner rather than later. So uh, I, it's one of those things I, I would add or trade for the skills, not necessarily the role for Kopech now. And even if you have him on your rosters now, he's just, you know, basically going two innings with like four Ks every time. So that's yeah. that's super helpful regardless. But uh, I, I, I would be grabbing and trading for Kopech anywhere I could, essentially. Absolutely. I just pulled up his Savant page, too, and his velocity is back. He's sitting uh, averaging 96.7 with the fastball. Yeah. Um, that and, is and in, some of that might that be is in relief. Then, but, yeah. Yeah. But. You know, we've seen those things sort of translate and stay over, like the the whole Carlos Carrasco thing, go to the bullpen, gain velocity, hold that velocity. So, like, uh, and it's not like he's going just one inning. I think pretty much all, I think the shortest outing he had so far this year has been an inning and a third. Other than that, it's been at least two innings. And he was an opener versus Boston and did really well in three innings. So, um I like it. I, I, I think he's going to be a, a, a stud uh, sooner rather than later. So hopefully that makes you feel better about your Kopech shares. Oh, I feel great already. I didn't realize what ridiculous uh, velocity separation he has. 96.7 on the fastball, 85.7 on the slider, and 80 on the dot for the curveball. Like... Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, he's he's if you're in like a pitching lab and making making a starter like he you take a lot of his raw tools, right? Like that's that's what you like to see um, under the hood when you uh, build a repertoire for a, a starting pitcher. Yeah, big fan of Kopech. I'm going to have to before this publishes. Yeah, he's basically gonna, gonna he's, he's to, basically in like the 98th percentile or better for like all the expected stats, 97th percentile for K percentage. It, it's crazy. He's uh 
he he he's super talented. Uh, I, I I'm a big believer of his. Me too. After, before this publishes, I'm gonna have to go ahead and see if I can <laughs> see if I can trade from my dynasty <laughs> because boy oh boy, he's got me very excited. <laughs> yeah, his his cost is probably pretty high in a dynasty league right right now. It's uh you know the time to buy was like when there was talks of him like somewhat like walking away from baseball, like, which I know there's been some, like that's, that's always something that I try to remember to focus on more too, that not just the numbers that like these guys are people too. And like, I know there's been some strange things with Kopech about like, you know, his off the field stuff and, and things like that. But it seems like he's, you know, fully engaged now and, and, and ready to go and definitely has the skills to do it. Absolutely. Very exciting. Could be a big season from Kopech. Uh, he could he could easily be the comeback player of the year. For sure. After, after being out of baseball for two full years. Yeah, he, he didn't he didn't he didn't play. He didn't he opted out last year too, uh yeah. in, in the COVID season. So Yeah, missed all of nineteen and twenty. So if he if he performs at all, he will be the comeback player of the year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see if uh, if Brandon yeah. will trade him to me. <laughs> check your check your wires too in redraft leagues. I mean, you know, if he's somehow out there, he could definitely still even provide value before he gets a, a starter's role. And like Cease too, he's a young arm, right? They're gonna want to. Yeah. They could sw- They could flip flop at pretty much any moment and like protect each other's innings that way. And then, uh, you know, uh, come playoff time or down the stretch, uh, have them both in rotation. I could see that being a possibility too. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, just to kind of, you know, talk about your process when it comes to analyzing players, whether it be, I, I assume, um, when it comes to pitchers, I, I, I hope you at least start at pitcher list and move of on course. from there and check another of course, couple of, of sites. Course. Um, I mean, yeah, what, like if people are coming to listen to Wins Above Fantasy, what kind of process are you bringing them? So I, I guess that pitchers are, are a good way to start. Like that's what I take pride in the most, specifically like late pitchers. Like I like to look at guys that, um, for whatever reason, are either sleepers or guys that are being heavily discounted. And, you know, my process in that is to like find things that the, un- that the surface numbers don't necessarily tell the full story of like, uh, if there's a guy that had a new pitch or velocity, that's what I'm looking for. As far as like late pitchers, like, um, the thing that I'm proud, like, you know, it's not to obviously it's way too early for victory laps, but I have a lot of shares of Freddie Peralta and Trevor Rogers. Like those are the guys nice. that I try to find. Like that's like I don't draft starting pitchers early. Like I, I had Shane Bieber in a keeper league, but that's it. Like that's the only ace that I have. Like in my home league for the longest time, I never draft a pitcher before like whatever round eight, which I know is a popular thing. Like with the way innings are now, it might not be as easy to do, but basically like how I do that, like obviously I go to pitcherlist.com first to look at all my numbers and have the great player pages with all the gifts of their repertoires and things like that. Like there's nothing better, like in all seriousness, like there is nothing better for like a consolidated look 
at a guy than going to the the player page uh, on pitcher list for for that. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what what that is. It just it's an extremely useful tool. Even if you're just like looking up a stat line, like there there's nothing better than that. And then from from That's there, a company on, man, right there, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's it's true though. So it's it's not uh it's not just uh, uh blown wind or anything like that. But from there on, like you know, I, you know, I I was like thinking to myself, like if you drafted like like the worst qualified starting pitcher over the last whatever three or four years, the next year, your staff would be. Lucas Giolito, Corbin Burns, and then this year Matthew Boyd, who by ERA was the worst qualified starting pitcher last year. Like, so there's there's things that go on that like, like that just goes to show like the overall point. Like, there's so many things that go into like like a starter and being a pitcher that aren't necessarily going to show in the results. So like, you know, Freddie Peralta was an easy one. Like he, he retooled his slider. He added velocity and like is able to now command, uh, pretty much three pitches. And he was very popular, like late in drafts and everyone was talking about him and had a strong spring. And now looks good. Like those are the guys that I'm happily drafting as sort of my three or four starter. Whereas like, you know, it, it might be more safe to draft them as a five or six starter, but, if not, you know, if that guy doesn't work out, I'll I'll try and find another guy like just like what we talked about before with K minus BB. Like that's something that I would look at. Like, I don't know, someone that I'm eyeing right now, Adam Wainwright, like he has a five ERA, but his strike at minus rock is in the top 25 of the league. So like uh, he had a great start last time, but other like his surface numbers are still horrible. So like I'm very interested in 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 him in leagues that I could pick him up and potentially if I need to fill a spot that that's where I, that's what I would do. So like, that's the process and like how I, how I look at things. So, uh, you know, and, and like last year I would have been selling him because his expected stats were so much worse than his decent ERA. But with, with the way that he's striking guys out this year, I am definitely intrigued at least so far in the short term. Huh? I was unaware that, I knew I knew Wayno had a good last start, but I was unaware. Yeah, it was a great look. It was a great last start, but his numbers are still pretty brutal. Um, yeah, even he's currently that. sitting yeah. at a five point oh three ERA, but his FIP is at three eighty six. Sierra is three thirty nine. Twenty six point seven percent K rate. Yeah, so, yeah, it's and pretty only good. 6. Yeah, not 6. walking money, guys. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm definitely intrigued. Um, and hopefully um, my league mates are, are, are listening to this because I want to pick him up for his starts next week. <laughs> Don't worry. I, this, uh, this is going to publish in a week, so you've got time. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know once I add Wainwright, and then you'll be good to go. It's like, all right, exactly. I, I, I'm good. That's awesome. Uh, how about for hitters? What, do you have any kind of – uh, specific things you look at as far as analyzing hitters? So uh, it, it's sort of this, the same process. Like I, I remember specifically like this was like well before Savon or StatCast. Like I remember I, I, I it was like Kyle Seeger in like 2014. Like he was a decent mid-round pick and like um, probably drafted him like the eighth or ninth round in, in a certain year. 
and he got off to a pretty brutal April. But like, I remember talking to my, my co-manager at the time, who was one of my best friends in life. Um, my buddy, Tom, who was like, it's totally fine. Like he is absolutely ripping the ball. Like it'll be, it'll be great. Like it was, it was like, it was 20, it was 2014. Um, you know, so like he only had, he had a few years of, of 20 homers, but was at like a 108 and 116 WRC plus in those years. And then 2014, he just got off to a brutal April, but ended up with uh, a 127 WRC plus, which was the second highest of his career. He finished with 25 homers and 96 RBIs. Like I remember wanting to drop him so badly. And like now we have that quantified on Savant now. Like you could see who's expected to do a lot better with, with how they're hitting the ball. And like, I know it's too early right now for for stabilization points with with hard hit rates and barrels, but like you're you're still able to tell what's going on and how a guy's doing. Like I have a share of Kesson here in a keeper league, and it's obviously been brutal, but like I'm watching every single game. And today he had a line out that was 100 miles an hour and a ground out that was like 105 miles an hour. So like. It's small little things like that. He went 0 for 3 with a walk, didn't strike out and hit the ball twice hard. So it's like, okay, like that's like I'm looking at that, even though he went 0 for 3 today as somewhat of a positive. So um, and this is this is Friday. So it was the day they got blown out by the Cubs. But, um, you know, uh, that's the sort of things that I that I look at um, and, and try to take advantage of, like, you know, the same thing like I would do with Wainwright, something like that to see, OK, this guy's numbers are aren't great, but, um, you know, he's 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 hitting the ball harder and should be uh, deserving of, a, of better results. So, um, yeah, it, like it. It, things like that. Very nice. I'm I'm looking at Wainwright and I'm like, why is this working sort of like what 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 in the background is telling me that this actually should work. And you know what it is? All right, so let's do it. Yeah, this is this, is, the this is what I would do. Yeah, this is exactly what I would do. So it's the cutter. So let me pull it up with you so I'm on, I'm on this, the same page. Yeah, looking at his Savant page, he is throwing the cutter more often. Uh, last year, he threw it about 23%. And right now, he's throwing it right around 25%. But he's... He's throwing the sinker less that's, as well. But that's, that's huge, and that's huge for strikeouts, right? So that's going to be where uh, you know, you know, if you replace that that sinker with with the, with the cutter, that's going to be a lot better, a lot better for K's. And it's got a thirty four point nine percent whiff percentage. That's yeah. that's pretty good. Which and his sinker like has twelve percent. His sinker has an eleven point five. Man, I I am. I am a lot more intrigued even just looking at that. And yeah, the and curve if you look at, the curveball's still great. It's got a thirty-five percent whiff percentage too. So, and that's his go-to pitch yeah, right now. He's yeah. throwing mostly curveballs, yeah. like thirty-five percent. I thought it was. Yep. And that's you know the uh, that's what uh, you know Carlos Beltran's still looking at that pitch from uh, <laughs> six. So. And if you look at the movement for the cutter as well, he's actually increased. Uh, Increase the movement uh, on the or the, the horizontal movement yep. on the cutter a little bit as well. So there's a little more break to it, uh, and he's throwing it more often and kind of favoring the cutter to the sinker. So you can see there's a 
not only has he slightly improved the pitch, but he's also yeah. favoring it more as a strikeout pitch rather than trying to put, you know, pitch to contact. This, with the is, this is classic, like old starter, you know, wily veteran. My fastball velocity is now, you know, below 90 and I can't bump it by anyone. So like, let's develop a cutter and, you know, add another year or two onto my career. I love it. I, I, uh, I, I'm in. All right, Adam Wainwright. Let's uh, you know put yeah, our, if, our flag on the ground here. Yeah, if you're if you're in anything deeper than a 12 team league, consider it. Yeah, it's he's he's got some interesting stuff going on here. I I don't know that it's going to be right away that we he turns it around, but that last start was surely yeah, that, encouraging. That, that, was, that was really encouraging. And uh, yeah, I, the 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 process is definitely there. So. Anything deeper than a 12-team league, I would say, go ahead. Oh, hey, Andrew Benintendi hit a home run. Good for him. Oh, wow. I, I forgot he's still playing. Um, yeah. He's been off to an extremely, extremely slow start. Much Well, like, he's uh, been off to an extremely slow the past two years. Yeah, if he wasn't on the Red Sox and like didn't have like that diving catch versus the Astros, like I wonder where he would have been like in the fantasy, like what the opinion of – him would have been in fantasy circles if he wasn't like such a popular player. Uh, a few of my buddies and I joke about that all the time. But I but, want Benintendi to succeed, not only because I own him in Dynasty, but also just because I feel like he he, he his his career has taken a nosedive oh, at God. such an, a young point for him. I mean, in when he was 23 years old in 2018, he had a 16 home run, 21 steal season with a 290 average two years later he bats 103 he he was on the trajectory to be like a fantasy first rounder you know first two rounders yeah pretty much and then went to basically yeah like you said like unrosterable and uh, i know he was just dropped in my 14 team home league and went unclaimed and has been on the with the wire for uh you know a, a week now um yeah. but hey you know sometimes things like that um could, could turn it around i mean the the old uh you know um adage like once you show you know uh, once you show skill you own it like he has that in in his in his uh in, in his in his tool bag like that's there but i would need i would wait to, I, I i i sometimes miss out on 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 guys like that that i've been burned by before or just completely right off which i think i should probably get better at so maybe i'll i'll, I'll give a better look at uh at uh at at Benintendi, uh, hopefully he could turn it around. I hope so. He's still striking out too much so far this year, but I was hoping that you know getting out of Boston, getting a fresh look with new coaches around him now in Kansas City, I, I'm hoping that he can uh, figure something out. Yeah, and the the Royals are, are savvy like that. Like I was I was like, all right, that's that's a, a good pickup. Like uh, I could I could see him doing well there. So uh, it, it, again, it's it's still way too early. Circle back to Wainwright real quick. He's got a great two-start week next week. It's Philadelphia at St. Louis on the 26th, and then at Pittsburgh on Saturday. So Ooh. that is juicy. Uh, I'm going to try and pick him up before this week for a, a two-start week in a few of my leagues. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to do that as well. That's... <laughs> wow, okay. Let me make a note of this real yep. quick so I don't forget. <laughs> That's yeah, that's awesome. this kind of stuff you get on Wins Above Fantasy, man. This is a, a great pitch. That's awesome. Well, yeah, if uh, if this is the kind of stuff you guys are looking for, 
check out Whims Above Fantasy. So now, we do like to finish out our podcast with a mailbag session. We want to devote a large portion of the pod to answering your questions on the air. So, if you have questions for me or my guest, you can tweet them directly to me at Bristowski or the show Twitter at OnTheListPL, or you can join our PL Plus Discord server. We'd be happy to grade your trades, offer analysis on any players you're wondering about, or answer any number of your other inquiries. Now, uh, Steve, what is your favorite part of the uh, PL Plus Discord? So, honestly, it's that. That's what I found myself most active in. Like, uh, but you know, before I, I, I was on the pictureless team, I was always on you know r slash fantasy baseball, throwing out my questions, answering questions that people had. I I don't know why, like I'm just drawn to doing things like that. I also think that like you could, like that could help the person answering the questions too. Like it gives you a sense of, of value for okay, this is a trade that just got done in a different league. Obviously, every league is different. There's context, but you could still get an overall idea of how people are valuing players, who's undervalued, who's being targeted in trades. Okay, I have this guy. He just got traded in a similar league to mine for for this. It gives you a value there. And, like, that's honestly, like, my, my favorite part. And then, you know, it's just a great community. I, I would have never, you know, I, I would have never um, – imagine it being you know this fun it's it's a great great thing to be a part of i'm honored to be on the staff and interact with all our great members and things like that so uh it, it's been a lot of fun but truly that that is my favorite part um you know I, i'm not hesitant to throw out a question that i have either too so um it's great to get your questions yeah, answered been, yeah you've been super active in those fantasy help uh channels the past couple weeks that was a lot of the reason why i, I yeah, wanted yeah. to have you come on the show glad uh glad it glad it led to that uh, I'm, I'm extremely happy that it, that it did so our first question tonight for you is uh from pete dixon one of our po plus supporters pete wants to know if you could make one rule change to baseball on or off the field what would it be so I, I don't know if this is one rule change or if this is a cop-out, but the, the replay system needs to be completely overhauled. It, it like every, every off season, all we, t- we hear about is like, how do we make the game quicker? How do we make the game quicker? Like it, the games are too long. It, it's, it's not interesting for young fans. It's like, then why did we just implement a replay system that takes like five minutes for a clear out or safe call at first base and 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 waste everyone's time it is absolutely horrible i am for replay and getting it right but like it needs to be like an office in new york or something that's that's looking at every single play of every game and like if there's something that changes like quick buzz down like he was out like that's it like and, and we shouldn't be like like la- like last night like uh i think it was uh javier baez in the mets game where Chris Bryant overslid first base and like came off the bag for a second and then was called out. Like that never would have been called out before replay. Like, yes, he came off the bag for a second, but like he, that never would have been an out. It never would have been looked at prior to leap replay. It's a waste of time. Like it's a spirit of the rule type of thing. Like sure. If he pops off the, like he beat the throw, like 
plenty of time. Like he was safe. And then he popped off for a split second. And we look at it for seem what, when, when they're doing this, it seems like a half hour and it just completely kills the momentum of any game. It just needs to be completely revamped in my mind. It, it, it works horrible in, in the game that's slow paced enough already. Like we shouldn't be pausing the game for, for, you know, calls like that. But, Again, I'm for getting the call right, and like anything egregious needs to be overturned. But we, we we can't be having you know these sort of long replays. It's 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 an absolute momentum killer for any game, in my opinion. Yeah, I uh, I can get behind that. Um, and on top of that, like the, the Alec Bohm at the plate completely missing home plate and being called safe yeah. was like something something like that crazy. okay there should be a, a, a you know whatever like a replay headquarters saying okay no he missed the plate he's out like there shouldn't be debating I, in the umpire it should just be like a, a call to whatever the replay official like added add a replay umpire or something like that that's just looking at every play and has a mic in his ear from new york getting everything right and overturning it within whatever 10 or 15 seconds after it happened just because we all saw it on TV and knew he was out how quickly like that's it like it, it needs to be streamlined in my opinion um yeah it's it's, it's wild um i've heard uh jimmy from john boy suggest that once the once the manager is called for a replay you no longer take into account what the ruling was on the field um and you just go to the video whatever the video says that's what we go with we're not disproving the call on the field the call on the field no longer has any effect yeah that's we a good just idea figure too. out yeah. yeah what this is because i, I i'm, I'm kind of not sure why that was the standard anyway as to prove I, I guess you kinda, otherwise i guess you kind of have to do that too if there's like a separate booth right like it, it shouldn't matter what the call is like they're just going to call down and, and and i guess it's you know a very similar kind of same idea but yeah it it needs to it's it's brutal like even even in football too it's just it's just uh, it's such a drag <laughs> like i i know we want to get the things right but it's such a drag yeah, I agree. Um, I think for me, I would like to see, uh, I would like to see Major League Baseball toy with a salary floor for teams. I'm not sure a cap is necessary. We kind of have one in the luxury tax right now, and a lot of teams specifically attempt to avoid it. Um, but I think a salary floor would be something that should be considered because there's so many terrible teams in baseball right now like just off the top of my head the pirates aren't trying the, uh, the you could Ti argue the tigers aren't the trying. tigers aren't trying um the rockies might be the trying rockies, but that the... qualifies as not trying exactly um, like there's so many Orioles aren't trying yeah. yeah, there's so many teams that just choose not to try because it's rewarded. It, it they get be. rewarded to do I, so because they get uh, they, they pay less money, so that's cheaper for them, plus they get better draft picks. So it, it makes sense, right, as the rules are written right now, for them to do what they are doing. 
And so I understand why it's happening. I just wish it wasn't. And so I'm wondering if if we said every team had to spend uh, no less than, I don't know, $65 million. I think, because I think right now uh, the Pirates are spending like $43 million on their entire roster, which is horrifying when you think about like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox spending like $300 million. It's There's no other professional sports league in North America that has as much parity between the top end and the bottom end. It's very strange to me that baseball is set up this way. Mm-hmm. There, There's a lot of things wrong with that. Like, why are teams incentivized to not play their best players? Like, uh, yeah. on Pitcher List today, on, on the general Discord, like, the Kellenic conversation, why are the, why are the Mariners rewarded for not playing their... I I could pretty much safely say that Jared Kelnick's their best player. Like, uh, probably yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe Mitch, Mitch Hanniger right now, but like, uh, I I don't know. Like, I I would take Kelnick over over Hanniger if you ask me. Um, but why are they rewarded with an extra year of control by not promoting him to to the to the big leagues? Like, that is so backwards. It is such yeah, a crazy it, concept. It doesn't help the player because he gets paid less, essentially. And and hates the team for manipulating him, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help the league because we are keeping our good players out specifically so that, I don't know, they can they can play on one team for a year longer. Yeah. Like we're worried about Jared Kelnick right now in 2029 for the Mariners. Like, come on, like, <laughs> like, Again, and, the and way it, it the system the is set up, it, it hurts the sense. fans too. Like we're, we're not, we're, we're getting robbed of watching an awesome player. Like that stinks. Yeah. So like it, it, you would think that if Jared Kelnick was on the team right now, that there would be jersey sales and people would want to come see this guy. He's been hyped up a lot. And so there are a lot of reasons to do it. However, financially, it doesn't make (laughs) sense for the system that has been set in place. And so, again, I understand why it's happening because they are incentivized to do otherwise. And so there's there's a lot of the, like, back-end stuff that I hope is addressed in the next CBA. Um, I, I hope so too. Uh, I, I think I'm definitely a, with you there. There's a strong chance we see some like sweeping changes in the CBA. Agreed. I, so, I think that should be like the player's number one um, priority to like figure that out, and then also like pay our minor like la- minor leaguers uh, a, a livable salary. That's a that's a, that's a good change too. <laughs> but yeah, that goes exactly. without saying. Alrighty, well, we'll go from that to a uh, a little less baseball centric question here. Uh, in the Skyrim quest, sorry, this one is from uh, Alexander Chase, another of our pitcherless staff members. In the Skyrim quest, in my time of need, do you side with Sadia or Kimatu? So I'll caveat by I have no idea what this question means, but I'm going to answer it anyway. 
<laughs> He's uh, never played I've Skyrim, never played, which is I've, insane. Uh, no. um, but it's I classic. I feel pretty passionate about it too. I am on Kamatu's side. I just just that's what I'm drawn to. That's that's where that's that's who I side with. So okay. um, I'm a big uh, Kamatu guy. Uh, if you ask me, from now on. Would you like the scenario uh, explained to you? I would love it. So this is one of the first quests that you can get in Skyrim. Um, And you can do it one of two ways and be rewarded comparably for both, just basically in gold. Essentially, there there is a, a woman who is from a foreign nation that is hiding in a city. Uh, she claims that she ran away and, um, is just trying to live a new life and start a new life that the noble families of her home nation were conspiring against her, etc., etc. There are now, uh, these warriors from that nation that are going around looking for her and when you meet with uh kamatu their leader uh that he tells you that sadia the woman um had like poisoned uh, one of the leaders of their nation and then fled i don't think there is a canonical answer of what the actual truth of the scenario is but you have the option to either basically attack and attempt to kill Kamatu and all of his men, essentially saving Sadia and allowing her to continue living her life. Or you can trick her and turn her in to Kamatu and he takes her back to face judgment. I those those are your options. Yeah, I mean it's it's even clearer to me now. Why would she why would she why would she run if she was innocent? Come on. That's why, you know, just start a new life. Yeah. Okay. No one actually does that unless they're running from something. So she clearly is a murderer who poisoned, you know, the leaders of uh, Kamatu's uh, land. So uh, I'm with him. It's a little sad that I could remember all of that off the top of my head for a video game that came out like 10 years ago. I have played through skyrim uh, dozens of times and done this specific quest every time dozens of times it's it's a little sad but i mean it's a classic what are you gonna no, do no. <laughs> you should get around to yeah no it. now and I'm, I'm going to but i already know what i'm going to choose now right i well i guess that's a good thing right i'm, I'm now invested so exactly yeah. and that's it's just a little fun little side quest that you can do in the first big city you go to in white run there you go Good stuff. Good stuff. This, these are the real hard-hitting questions oh, yeah. that we, we're here for. <laughs> All mm-hmm. right. Well, let's finish it out with an actual baseball one. Callan, uh, I'm not going to try for his last name. Um, Eslager? Eslager? I don't know. That's I'm good. so sorry, Callan. Um, another of our Pitchless staff members, he wants to know, what is your dream batter versus pitcher matchup? So I'm going to say doesn't matter what era you can take a batter from any era pitcher from any era what do you want to see so i i don't want to go like too far back for my batter because like i tend to to agree with like adam ottaviano and things like that like you know the great hitters from from back in the day like 
you know, also had jobs as like, you know, stonemasons in the off season. So like, I think it's just a completely different game. So I want to be a little bit more recent with my batter, but uh, if there's one player that I, I would want to drop like in the recent, uh, you know, in, in today it's, it's Bo Jackson. Like I, I just always Ooh. wanted to, to watch him. Like imagine if that was going on today, like a star NFL running back was also like an all-star baseball player. That would be, that would be like Shohei Otani, just like a hundredfold because of the popularity of football. Like that's actually insane that that is a real thing that happened. So I would want to see him um, versus like a current pitcher. So like I would do like Bo Jackson versus Jacob Degrom. Like that would be my dream matchup. Like a, a lot of it probably skewed because I just want to see Bo Jackson like in today's game, like being a running back and then being an all-star baseball player with like a cannon for an arm mashing 30 home runs. I like it. That's a good call. Um, I think I want to see Tony Gwynn versus peak Max Scherzer. I like Uh, it. Gwynn is the ultimate contact hitter. Scherzer in his prime, I think, is among the best strikeout pitchers of all time. And like wanted to like sh- like he per- he would like take it personally, like if he didn't strike you out. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Max, it, it, there's a reason he's called Mad Max. Yeah. He's a little crazy, yeah. and I think that matchup would be just epic to watch the two of them duke it out. That's so. that's that's a that's a really good one. That's that's uh, I, I think that's a great call. Like. Gwyn versus any one of these like power pictures from today, I would be like fascinated yeah. to see how that goes. Just because like Gwyn versus like Glasnow would be awesome. Yeah. Although I feel like you know he would just spit on like anything that like Glasnow threw that wasn't close to the zone just because of how um, Gwyn was at the plate. But I, I I wish I got to see like I saw like the tail end of Gwyn's career. I wish I got to see more of like peak Tony Gwyn like that. Like he he's one of those players that like you could plop in today's game and he would still be like a Hall of Famer. Like going back to my later point, like I don't think a lot of, like I think it would be I think it's a totally different game for like the way back in the day errors, but Gwyn just seems like a guy that you know, he would have a four hundred OBP like today. Like you you know, if he was still around, like if he was alive and, and could 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 uh you know walk to the plate like i feel like he would be able to have like a above average walk rate uh with with the way that he was so that's a that's an extremely interesting one if you ask me i'm i am looking for some other interesting ones i feel like i'm trying to think of like guys that just go out and have fun um who's the most fun hitter like from recent, I don't know. Like Nick Swisher is like the first one that came to mind. Just like a, like a, like a, you know, like a, a guy like that. Uh, Nick Swisher versus like Jose Fernandez. Yeah. Oh man. Both uh, of them just out having a great time, yeah, like smiling at each other. Like there's that. What's that? That classic gif of like Tulu, like when Tulowitzki struck out versus yeah uh, Fernandez, and he's like. Did you just throw that? And he's like, "Yeah, I did it." That's yeah, that's like one of my favorite clips ever. That's another one of my favorite players. I love Tula. Um, I I wish he stayed healthy for his whole career. We all do. Yeah. We all do. I remember. I think in my first ever fantasy baseball season, I drafted Tulowitzki second overall, and he missed most of the year. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I took him in like 2014, 
as like a late end first rounder after he had a few of the major injuries and he had he was like he was basically MVP through June and then like had a hamstring injury and basically missed the rest of the year. What it was it was a great, you know, first three months. He was hitting like, you know, three fifty with twenty bombs and it was like, oh, he's gonna be the MVP again and then he got hurt. But he uh, I, I wish that guy stayed healthy. He was like, you know, he was like in his peak, like he was like not that he was as good as Trader Soto, but like he was like on that level for like for hitter wise, I think. Like he was so good. I, he's another one of those guys like Giambi. I think like his his peak might get overlooked um, just because of and all that. That was back in the day when shortstops didn't hit. No. Like when like nowadays he was fantasy, like the first one. Really, he was like the first one. Yeah, there really isn't a lot of uh, you know positional parity as far as like oh you got you know you got to get this position early like second base is the closest but they're they're all they've all got good guys at the top back in the day your options at shortstop were troy tulowitzki uh like the like like when jeter was hurt and a rod played a few games few games at shorts like those years you hope that he got eligibility yeah, I'm like I think my first year playing fantasy baseball. I was actually just looking at this. Let me pull that back up. It was 2012. Okay, that was my first year playing fantasy. Yeah, you uh, got uh, you got 47, 47 games. games he did have a 113 WRC plus. Yeah, that 2014 year he had a 170 WRC plus in 91 games. So he was basically still my MVP that wow. year, even in 91 games. Yeah. 21 homers in 91 yeah. games and he had a 432 OBP. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he had a crazy year. He had a stri- 340, 432, 603 slash line. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, it was insane. And he had a three year stretch where he didn't have a WRC plus lower than 132 from 2009 to uh, 2011. And he played, uh, that's when he was playing, you know, a lot of games. The lowest games he had was at 112, 122. So he, he was, he was great. I mean, uh, you know, if he wasn't in Colorado, he probably would have won it. Would have won an MVP just because of the Coors Field bias. But sure, uh, Hanley Ramirez was the other one that was yeah. the shortstop that oh, actually yeah. hit in those, he those early. Really 2010s. couldn't play shortstop even then, but they were no. play, they were playing him at short, so yeah, he qualified there. Exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, all right, man. Do you have any like closing thoughts for us? No, man. This was uh, a blast. This was this was a lot of fun. You know, it was just you know. I, I'm really glad I got to know you a little better. This was a lot of fun. It's felt, you know, felt like we were just uh, having a great conversation about baseball and getting to know you. It was, it was a lot of fun. Really, thanks for having me on. It was a, it was an honor. It's been great. I Like I said, glad to actually put a face to the name at this point. I've seen you around on the Discord server and stuff like that. And now we can actually be like, oh, hey, how's it going, Steve? Yep, once How I, are you today? Once I finish... Um, uh, uh, Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. I'll uh, I'll hit you up and let you know my thoughts. Oh man, let me know your thoughts on every MCU yeah. movie you watch from now on. Well, yeah. because I will. I have <laughs> thoughts on all of them. <laughs> Love it. I'm a huge nerd. All right, Back, man. Hey, well, we're we're talking great. about fantasy baseball and, and MCU. <laughs> I'm I'm right in the same boat with you. You know, it, 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 nerds are cool now, though, right? We're 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 you know, all the non-nerds are now the 
the nerds that got shoved in lockers in, in elementary school. So who's laughing now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, tomorrow I'm going to go play Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. And then you know what I'm going to do on Sunday? Play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> with my other group. I love it. <laughs> great. I'll be playing some video games, catching up on some MCU uh, movies and, and shows. So perfect. And watching base uh, and watching baseball all, all day long and reading. Of boxes. course. <laughs> all righty man well one more time where can the people find you on twitter on twitter stav 8818 stav 8818 um our podcast is wins above pod um and then obviously the the pictureless podcast network you can you can see all of our stuff there as well so um yeah be sure to reach out there and any baseball questions i, I love answering them shoot, shoot them my way perfect great stuff well for steve and myself Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The List.